spoken this morning. I was just so woke up this morning and was just so mindful of of the privilege it is to hear God's voice and to be in a community like this of faith and just so looking forward to being with you and um, and sharing this message too, but mostly just the feeling of of what it means to pursue God with with friends, right? With these marvelous comrades who are together in our pursuit of Jesus. And and so thank you, Lou, Lewis, for your prayers too. And and this is a, a fun series um, that Phil and I are doing together of looking at Jesus being revealed. And we know that the word gospel means the good news, right? So we're looking at the good news of Jesus according to the disciple John, going through the 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 Gospel of John, and um, specifically the questions that Phil has been talking about that we're going to be answering in this series is looking at who do who do we say that Jesus is? You know, that Jesus is recording and is recorded in Matthew as asking his disciples, "What are what are who are people saying that I am?" And they had all these different answers, right? And then Jesus looked to his disciples and he said, "Who do you say that I am?" And, you know, of course, we have their answer. And, and so we've been taking that question to ourselves. Who do I say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And not just who do you understand him to be, but who have you experienced him to be? And that's what I love as we're going through this series. That's one of the things that I um, think it's fun as I'm reading through right now in my personal time with God, I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew, but as we're doing this series in the book of John, it's like, these are men that walked with Jesus. They didn't hear about him. They were with him. And we hear about Jesus, right, when we read the, when we read the Bible, but there's also, what does your personal experience with him tell you? What, what do you know him to be? What have you experienced him to be? And then, um, so we're pulling out the truths from the Gospel of John. What is John revealing about Jesus? What is his experience revealing? And then looking at that ourselves, like, do we understand that? Are there new things for us to learn? Also, are there new things for us to experience? And so um, today, last week, um, Pastor Phil finished the second chapter of John. So we're starting John chapter 3. We're going to look at the interaction between Jesus and the Pharisee named Nicodemus. So this is a I love this passage. This is fun. So we're going to do um, John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, and we'll just take it kind of in the natural uh, little breaks of the narrative. So starting um, in verse 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 to start. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we're going to stop there and just look at that. So so here we have Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. John describes him as a Pharisee and then also as a ruler of the Jews. And so Pharisees in general, you know, they were scholars. They had been taught and well-educated in the scripture and the law of God. They um, were the people who taught scripture. Scripture was not widely available, right, because there were scrolls, and they traded from, from region to region. They traded the scrolls that they had, so at no one point was all the scripture available, even to 
the priests, even to the Pharisees. And, and so their responsibility was to know the scripture and to present it to the people. And it's believed that Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin. So even within the even within the Pharisees, it's believed that he was within kind of a higher tier of the Pharisees and that he was, you know, considered among Pharisees, a ruler and teacher. And we see that he's coming to Jesus at night. And lots of times I've heard it taught and certainly there's, you know, things to read into that. I think for sure we just know that he wants more, right? So it could be that he's coming secretively. It could be that. For sure, it's just that he wants more than he's able to access publicly. So Jesus is, t- there's mobs of people around him all the time listening to his teaching. That would be available to Nicodemus, but he's coming for more. It may be that he's also coming secretively, but I just, I wanted to just point out that even aside from that, he's being intentional. He's pursuing more from Jesus. He wants more than what he's heard. And I think it's interesting that he is that intentional, and yet he doesn't come with a question. He comes with an observation. So right here in these first, you know, just in these first couple of verses, we have him say, he comes to Jesus, and John records him as saying, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. He's not really asking a question, but it seems that he's looking for more, right? And Jesus answers him as if he asked a question. So before we get into Jesus's answer, just, um, it seems, it stands out to me that Nicodemus sees the signs that Jesus is doing. And he's, for what he says in his observation is he's taking those as evidence that Jesus is from God. And I think that gives us a clue into Nicodemus's heart. Nicodemus isn't questioning He's at, he's, it seems like he wants more, but he's also coming with this level of faith. He's saying, we know, we know he's, it's, he's convinced that Jesus is from God because of the power, right? It says the signs, no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And so Nicodemus is coming. It seems like he wants more, like as if he has a question, but initially he just states what he understands to be true, that that he is from God. I think this sets Nicodemus apart from generally what we see among the Pharisees in the Gospels. They were, they often were trying to shut Jesus up. Nicodemus is asking him to talk. Often the Pharisees were trying to shut Jesus down. They're telling him to go. They're telling him to stop doing what he was doing. And Nicodemus is saying, I see these signs and they're evidence that you are from, that God is with you. Maybe not that you're from, you know, maybe not that God has sent you. Maybe he wouldn't go that far, but he says, God is with you or you wouldn't be able to do this. There's something different about you, even that sets him apart from himself. Nicodemus is, would pride himself in knowing God. And that's different than having the power of God rest in you and be evidenced through action, right? So I think Nicodemus, we could say, I, I would propose to you that Nicodemus brings his faith along with his hunger. And we see Jesus' reply. He starts by saying, truly, truly, I looked that up. It's just, it's a literary uh, device that was common in these days that was, it was like a legal uh, statement to say, like, this is true, this is settled. It is a matter of fact. So Jesus said, truly, truly, like, this is a critical uh, issue that has already been settled. 
So it's just a great emphasis. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, this is his his reply to Nicodemus's faith, to his observation. And so he starts by, he's saying, he mentions the kingdom of God, right? But he says, unless you've been born again, you can't see it. Nicodemus has just stated what he can see. I see that you have power. And it makes me believe that God is with you. And Jesus says, if you have not been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, now Nicodemus has a question. So <laughs> he came with his faith. He came with, he came with hunger. And now he has a good question. Verse 4, Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Uh, so he's like, born again? I don't know how old Nicodemus is, but he's thinking, born again? I can't be born again. Maybe he's thinking, I don't want to be born. I don't want to be born again. Um, but before we go into Jesus' answer, another thing that I found as I was studying is that studying this is that there could be, it could be that Nicodemus would have a reference point for this because there were, uh, there were Gentiles that would convert to um, the Jewish faith. And that was considered a rebirth. So it's not like this was completely out. It's not that there was no context for this. We read this in our context on this side of the cross. Like, remember, Nicodemus has, you know, we would, uh, my previous readings of this, I thought, well, he's never heard of being born again. Well, there is, there is the issue of being a convert. So that could be his, his thinking would be, why would I want to be born again? So their understanding was, remember, Jewish people, the, lo- the history of, of the faith, you know, Abraham being the father of faith, all of that, they felt like they were the chosen race. They were the chosen people. And all that they learned, their relationship with God established that. So their understanding of being born, having a, a new birth was when someone who was outside of the Jewish faith converted and became part of, by by conversion, part of the of the Jewish belief system. That was a kind of rebirth. Now, if you're already born into the Jewish faith by by birth and by ethnicity, you would not want there would be no purpose in conversion. And so it could be that and also he, you know, Nicodemus is in like the like I said, he's in the he's in a privileged status even within the Jewish people. And so it's like, even if, if he could, why would he want to be? There could be a, a measure of pride in his question. Like, how could this be? Other people might want to move up in life, like move up closer to God, closer in status, become, like there's this idea, if he had this concept of conversion, that would be the motive for being born again. For Nicodemus, that doesn't exist. Like, how could, he, how could it get better? And so Jesus, his answer, so he says, how, you know, how can a man be born again? Obviously, he's thinking in the natural, right? And Jesus' answer, truly, truly, again, he's saying this is a, um, an established issue, a matter of fact. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we'll stop there. So, so Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he's not talking about rebirth in the natural, that if you were born of the flesh and you were reborn, it would be of the flesh too. He's saying, I'm, I'm talking about a spiritual matter. So he settles, 
he settles that as much as that, I don't know, I don't know how much Nicodemus understood that, but he's saying, I'm talking about a spiritual thing. And then verse seven, Jesus says, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. And so, you know, Jesus is, he's making a, a point that he's talking about the spirit realm and that, that rebirth in the flesh is of the flesh, but he's talking about a a spiritual thing. One thing that's interesting when you look at the words is that the Greek word that's used for, um, wind in this passage can mean wind and spirit both. And so when he says, don't be amazed, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. It can also be translated, the spirit blows where it wishes. And so Jesus is saying, there's some, there, there's, a, I'm talking about a spiritual thing that is not evidenced in the same way as a natural thing is evidenced. So he, so he uses an example in the natural realm, right? The wind. You don't, you can't see the wind. You can't even necessarily hear wind. You hear the sound of its impact on other things, right? You, you see the evidence of wind is things moving, right? And so you can't see the wind, but you, but it's evidenced by its, um, by the reaction it has. And so he's saying it's that way with being born again, that the spirit realm, there's things that are evidenced in the natural, but they cannot be seen. And so I think, you know, Nicodemus is, uh, you wonder at this point, is he getting more or less faith? You know, is he getting his questions answered? Verse nine, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? And uh, before we go on, I just want to take a moment. Let's just appreciate Nicodemus because here is someone who prides himself in understanding, in knowing. He's the one people are coming to him to ask questions. And he prides himself in having the answers, not having to go get them, but have them. And so I think it's, it's, it's notable that this man who is in an elite status within his culture has humbled himself to Jesus to the point that even when Jesus starts talking about things that he cannot understand, he's still there. He hasn't blown out. <laughs> he hasn't said, this is, this is blasphemous. Like, I'm out of here. He is still there, and he's still asking questions. And we see his question get even, like, not more specific, but more general. Like, how can this be? What are you talking about? How is this possible? I think he must be thinking this is you know, maybe he's thinking this is crazy, right? Jesus is, he's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out this idea of rebirth, and then he goes into something even bigger. Like, oh no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a whole other realm, a whole other issue. And so Nicodemus is like, how how can this even be possible? We see the willingness of this great man to listen and to ask questions and to present his lack of understanding. Nicodemus isn't trying to say what he understands already. You know, he's not, he's not trying to educate Jesus back. He is coming with his humility, with his questions. And let's um, continue in verse 10. Jesus answers and says to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Again, like, think of the humility of staying there. 
Verse 11, we have another truly, truly. I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. And so this is how Jesus responds to Nicodemus's just, you know, very general wonder. How can this be? How can these things be? And Jesus, I think, is saying, if we, to make it the most general, we would just say that he is pointing to the fact that faith is necessary. That I think Nicodemus, as he listens to this, is realizing he's asking for understanding. How can these things be? And Jesus is saying, you can't understand this in the way that you've understood everything else before. And you're like, you are entering a new era. (laughs) You will not be able to rely on the kind of understanding that you are accustomed to. This is a whole new thing. And he challenges him because he says, you're, you're the teacher and you can't understand this. And we don't know how did Jesus say that? Was he, was he condemning Nicodemus? Was he posing it as a challenge? Or was he saying, you know, like tone, right? We, we, don't know the, we don't know the tone of this. But he says, but then he says, truly, I say, we speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen, and you do not accept our testimony. That's a lot referring to the Pharisees in general, right? Jesus was saying things and doing things, and they were just saying, no, that cannot be true. That cannot be so. You need to stop saying those things. Don't say that here. Go. They're pushing Jesus aside. And Jesus is pointing, I think, to the fact that faith is required, that he, he's saying, you're going to need me, (laughs) and you're going to need to believe. The example that he gives here when he talks about, um, when he talks about Moses lifting up the serpent, I'm not going to go into that. That's in, you can um, look that up in the book of Numbers, but that was a time, and Nicodemus would know this because he was a scholar of the word, but it's a time where there was a natural threat. There were these serpents, and God instructed Moses to make a, a symbol, a sign, and the people that looked to that were unharmed. And so, again, it's something where there's something going on in the natural realm, and it required faith to do what was instructed in order to have the protection of God. And so I think it's just, it's a, you know, any example that Jesus is going to use, there's a reason behind it. Why does he bring up that story that Nicodemus would be familiar with? One thing is that he's he's comparing himself. He's saying that he and and Jesus here. This is the first time in in um, John's gospel that Jesus uses the title to refer to himself as the Son of Man. That is a is a it would link in Nicodemus's mind. It would immediately link to prophecies in the Old Testament, and he would be like, hmm. <laughs> "I've heard that before." Right, And the title, Son of Man, is a title of humility, referring that the Savior would be born of man, that he would, the Savior would come through, through um, of, you know, be born of man, that he would be the Son of Man. It speaks of Jesus' humility that he, would, that he would become 
human as the people that he is saving and not just remain in the spiritual realm as the God of, of people. And so, so Jesus, I think here is, is, is speaking to faith that he's calling Nicodemus past his current understanding. One thing I like about that is that Jesus isn't, he's staying patient and he's, he's talking to Nicodemus, but he's not explaining everything that he's going to understand it because because he needs faith. Jesus is speaking to a time when Nicodemus will understand. It's like he's calling him into his future. And so Nicodemus probably doesn't understand all of this, but is Jesus equipping him? I believe he is. I believe he's equipping him for a future greater understanding. And I think that's what Jesus does. That's one of the things I think as we read through this, we'll talk about this as I close, but that's one thing that we see revealed in this chapter of John, is that Jesus will be available. He's available for our questions, but he will not remove the necessity of faith. We're never going to understand something to the point that we do not need faith. And so just like the Israelites, when it's, when he references this passage in Numbers, they didn't understand what or why they had to believe. They had to follow the directions that Moses was giving them from God. They had to look at the symbol that Moses made and believe that their obedience to do that would provide them the protection that God was offering. It didn't make sense. They had to have faith. And I think Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need to understand this on a different level. This will require faith. It's not going to be understood by you as a scholar. It's going to be understood by you as a believer. And he goes on, verse 16. So he, Jesus continues on, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Uh, I'll, I'll continue. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. And we'll stop there. And so here Jesus is going, is going on to give his purpose. He's speaking further into the purpose of his coming, right? He says that, that the motive is, is love for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And he's speaking of himself in the third person here. I don't know why. There again, like he could have been more clear. He could have explained it more. But this is how he's choosing to do it. He's, but he's giving Nicodemus this, a greater um, paradigm, a greater framework for what, for what Jesus is doing and why. And he says that it was, we know that verse so well, 316, that God um, gave his son that all would not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 is so equally important, right? That God didn't send his son into the world to judge it, but that they, that we would be saved. He talks about the judgment of, of the lack of faith. He who does not believe has been judged already. And so faith is critical. He's certainly driving home the point that faith will be required. The motive of God, of Jesus coming is love and it will but judgment will be is he didn't come to judge, but there is something to be judged whether or not you have faith in the one who's come, right? Whether or not you have faith in Jesus, and that's 
That's the deciding factor. Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested and having, as having been wrought in God. And so Jesus here is, he's also, um, one of the things that we see is revealed in this, in this chapter is that Jesus is revealing himself as the light. And he's saying that he's the one who's come and that there's going to be a response that, that the, the coming of the light will evoke a response and that some will love darkness and be afraid of light because of what it exposes. And yet those who associate with the light, it says that they, they will come into the truth. They will come into light. And so um, think of all of this as being told to Nicodemus. And we don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, John's writing about it. I can only assume it's because he was there. Uh, so this is this is being spoken to Nicodemus. Maybe a few of the disciples were present, but it's it's largely a private audience. Certainly, it's private compared to the masses that were present in the day when Jesus would speak on the hillside. And so this this teaching was not for everyone to hear. It was in response to Nicodemus coming and Jesus for those um, who were there with him. And he's sharing more of what is to come, more of the purposes of why he is sent and the need for a response, the, the need for faith. And it makes you wonder, like, well, you know, what does Nicodemus do with all of this? What is his response? In that, in that moment, this is where the, the passage ends of, of Jesus and Nicodemus. We'll hear more about Nicodemus later in the Gospel of John, but not a lot. It's not like we don't get to hear, did he have follow-up questions? Like this is, this is where John ends the description of, of what happened. And when we think about that, we think, you know, Nicodemus was, he had this confidence in his, in his um, teaching and what he knew and what he understood, but he was willing um, to come to Jesus. He pursued Jesus to want more. He was humble and he was teachable. And uh, But I wonder, what did he do? what did he do with what he received? And, and ultimately that's the question that we're asking of ourselves as we go through John's gospel is as we look at what Jesus is, the aspects of Jesus that are being revealed, what are we doing with that? What is our response? Um, are there, what's, um, is there any new revelation that you're receiving this morning? If it's not new, are there places where you're being called deeper? And what will your response be? And so as you as you think of some of the things that are in this in this passage and I have a li- um, just like Phil's been doing, I have a list of what are the what are the treasures that we can pull out of out of these first 21 verses of John chapter 3, that what is John revealing about Jesus? Who is the Jesus that we see in these verses? And so the first that I see is that Jesus is available to us. 
He's available for our questions and for our lack of understanding. He's available for our wonderings. I see that you're a teacher because God is with you. (laughs) I'm not sure why I'm here. You know, I don't know. I wonder, you know, maybe he did ask a question, but, you know, Jesus is available. And I think there's times that we know that, but I'll speak for myself. There's, I know that intellectually. I think there's often times in my experience when I forget that. And if, and if you could be in my thought life or see my actions, you would think she seems like one who thinks she's on her own to figure this out. But I know, I know the promise in scripture that God gives wisdom to those who ask. I know that. I don't always ask. Jesus is available for your lack of understanding and for your questions. He is patient and kind when you misunderstand, when you're ignorant, when you have doubts, or when you have questions. There's times where I am confronted by my lack of understanding, or especially by my doubts, and I think that I need to get that sorted and then come to Jesus in perfect faith. I think one thing that we can pull out of John Um, these first verses of John chapter 3, is that we don't have to do that. Jesus isn't waiting for you to understand perfectly so that he'll talk to you. He's actually not going to... What we see here is that Jesus didn't talk to um, Nicodemus' level of understanding anyways. He talked past it. And so... I don't have to get... I don't have to get all my... understand. I don't have to get rid of all my doubts or have perfect understanding, because that's not the qualifications. Jesus says, said, truly, truly, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's our connection to Jesus that gives us audience with him, not our understanding. And so, or not our lack of doubt. You don't have to have perfect faith. You just have to have faith to ask him. <laughs> Why do we wait till we have enough faith? or the absence of doubt, the absence of questions. Nicodemus is coming with his questions and with his lack of understanding. How can these things be? I don't understand. And Jesus is patient, and he speaks. He reveals himself. So that's the third one I have, is that Jesus reveals himself, his motive, and his purpose. Jesus isn't trying to stay hidden. Right? He's, 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 he's speaking of himself, even when Nicodemus didn't understand, especially where Jesus didn't, or where Nicodemus didn't understand. Nicodemus is giving him more. So he is, Jesus is one who will reveal himself, reveal his motives and his purpose. I think that's good news for us. You can ask him, why? <laughs> Why, you know, what is, what is the purpose? Sometimes we don't get answers um, to all of our questions, but he speaks something to us, right? The next one, uh, Jesus, it's revealed to us in this chapter um, that he, Jesus allows us to be born again in the spirit. And so there's a, there's a rebirth that is possible in Jesus. And we know, we know that, those of us, you know, who are Christians, we know that, but think about the power of that revelation again like that your life in christ is is made possible because of faith because you choose to believe and all of us have 
loved ones, friends, family members who are not yet, who do not yet have faith in Jesus, who have not experienced that rebirth. And so this is good news that Jesus is available, that he's patient, that he doesn't require the fullness of understanding before he listens, before he speaks to you. That God is, or that Jesus is one who will, who will reveal himself. That's good news to us in the places where we're praying and believing for people who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. The next one, um, Jesus reveals heavenly reality to us. That's powerful, huh? Jesus can see, he knows the fullness of God, right? He is God. And here we see that that Jesus knew much more than Nicodemus, and he wasn't keeping, he, he opened his words, he opened his heart, he opened the window for Nicodemus. More than Nicodemus was asking for, he showed him what was to come. I think it's powerful that we see here that Jesus was not limited by the understanding of Nicodemus. He spoke beyond that. It's like he's calling him into greater understanding, into greater experience, and that's true for us as well. It's also revealed um, here in John 3 that Jesus is the Son of Man. Again, that um, confirms Old Testament prophecies, and it also just speaks of the humility of Christ and his ability to identify with us. Lastly, um, that there probably are more. The last one that I have on my list that's um, something that's revealed to us about Jesus is that he brings he brings light into the world and he brings us into the light of truth, right? He, he brings eternal life to all those who believe in him. And so those are the, that's our list for this week, what's revealed in these, in these verses about Jesus, who he is. And so then it's, it's good to consider this week, to consider that, that list of things and ask yourself, do I know, is this the Jesus that I know? Because maybe some of these you haven't thought of before. Maybe there's aspects of this that are new or that you have forgotten like I said, I, I know that he's not waiting for me to understand. I know that he's not waiting for me to not have doubts. And yet sometimes I can, I can start to forget. I forget that. And I start to rely on my understanding more than on my faith. And so that's a place for me where I'm, God's calling me deeper into faith in the very places of my doubt. There's no better way to address your doubt than to go to the one to say, what do you say? <laughs> to remember to focus on what you believe and not what your doubts are. Go to the one you believe in and ask him about your doubts instead of the other way around, right? Sometimes we stand in our doubts and we try to evaluate Jesus. It doesn't work well. It's much better to go to Jesus and then look at your doubts, (laughs) right? That's what Jesus is calling Nicodemus to do. He's saying, you're going to need me. You're not going to understand this any other way. So where are you being called deeper? And then what do you do with the revelation that you're receiving? For me, it's to to go after the places. Where are the places that I have 
that I'm low in faith or that I, my faith feels weak? What are the places where I have doubts? And to be intentional, like Nicodemus was here, to go to Jesus about those places and pursue his voice. Or I think another thing for me is to remember that Jesus is always speaking to us beyond our current understanding. Like he's preparing in what he says to me. It's not just for right now. He's also preparing me for something greater. He's preparing me for what he's going to do in the future. He's preparing me for what I will need to understand later. And so just to remember that has been hugely encouraging to me um, this week. And so I would just encourage you to, to consider these this interaction, Nicodemus, Nick at night, he came to Jesus at night, intentional, right? He's taking his time and he, and Jesus is there and he takes the time that's needed and he's patient and he listens to his questions and he gives him himself and allows, um, allows himself to be revealed. And so this, this morning we mixed up the order of the service a little bit so the worship team can start coming back as I close, um, you know, sometimes we, we, we use worship as a way to repair our hearts for the message, which is so good. This morning, we wanted to kind of mix that up a little bit and have worship be a response to the word of God. And so the longer set of worship is going to be after, after this, like Lou explained. And so I would encourage you this morning as we continue in worship to consider these, um, just these truths, right? That Jesus reveals himself, that he's available to you, that he's the one that gives us eternal life, and that that same possibility that is true for you is true for those you're praying for too. He doesn't turn them away. Nicodemus came with his questions. He wasn't trying to, um, he didn't come with all his education. He came with his questions. He came with his hunger, and we can do that too. And so why don't you, um, as they are getting up here, why don't you stand? And I'm going to just pray for us as we um, start worship. Jesus, we thank you for who you reveal yourself to be. Thank you that you came as light into this world, into darkness. Thank you for um, your purpose, motivated out of love, that you came to to save, not to judge, that you came to love, to call us into faith. And we thank you that you are available for us in the midst of questions and doubts. I thank you that we have much to praise you for, that we have life in you, that we have eternal life, and that you are available to those who do not yet know you. And pray that this time of worship, that you would continue to touch our hearts with your great love for us. Amen.